Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast. Share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hey, Genius Leader. Today, I am having a kind of different guest on the show, not from a business world and not even from the world of academia or research. Today, I'm talking to Julius Davidson. Jay is a passionate leader of technical personnel charged with keeping the British Army's equipment on the front line using all available means. Having served almost 18 years and joining the armed forces at 16, Jay has traveled extensively for training and developing allied capabilities, as well as deploying on operational tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I wanted to invite Jay because... We've been following each other and, and connecting on different levels uh, through LinkedIn and in some of the calls that I offer for over a year now. And I really love his journey, how he is sharing so much of his soft skills development in this hard, quote unquote, environment of the military. And I thought that that fits quite well in the topic of the across the borders uh, theme that we're having on the podcast. So with Jay, we're going to be talking a lot about his learnings from the military, what kind of development he has seen in almost two decades of his serving, and how those things that they have learned and implemented can be used in business, in academia, in different fields of work. Among other things, we're talking about the importance of continuous learning. And Jay's sharing his journey of going from not liking the learning in school and trying to run away from school as soon as possible to entering the, the armed forces and realizing that there almost all the time is learning. So he's talking to us about leaving the school a bit earlier to join the forces and then staying in the learning environment for almost two decades after and continuing to do so. Uh, we're talking about what has shifted for him to like the learning process and the outcomes of that. We're also discussing how he is trying to ingrain this understanding of what is important in the learning into his kids. So we're deriving a bit from the leadership discussion in the professional context. We're also talking about developing the team. How can you do it as the leader or as an organization? What can you do? Just sharing their practices of having Friday mornings off for people to work on their development and the training. Uh, he's given examples of what kind of training they're doing there and how they are challenging the, the juniors to develop continuously, to talk about the boring topics with their peers and so on and so forth, all for the sake of their own development so that they continue growing within their roles and within the, the organization without the need to leave it to be able to progress. We're also talking about the transition and shifting from the coaching and mentoring leadership style to this managing and giving orders that they need to do in the dangerous situations and how they practice that and how 
they manage to balance the 5% of those situations when the leader becomes the guy who, with a high voice and given orders without asking for opinions and so on, and the 90% of time where he's more a coach, a mentor, a trainer for his team, and he's there to listen, to ask questions, to help his team develop. I think this is a very important discussion to take in the business environment to think about it, that we can't be in that given orders and performing at the top, very, very top, all the time kind of pace and environment. We need the calmer time as the team, as individuals and employees to be able to develop, to be able to learn from our mistakes, to be able to internalize some of those learnings and be able to perform at a good level in those critical, dangerous situations in the military. Hopefully not dangerous in your business environment, but critical for the business operations and success. And I really like how our discussion summarized with Jay talking about that vulnerability is fine. Hearing that from a person who is progressing within leadership environment in the armed forces, I think but makes a big strong statement. Vulnerability is fine. So I invite you to listen to this conversation with an open mind. Think about it. What kind of stereotypes is our conversation breaking for you about the army? And what kind of stereotypes you might be having in some other areas of life, in some other fields of work that you might not be questioning, but maybe you should. Enjoy the conversation and see you on the other side. Hi, Jay. <laughs> and should we call uh, you Jay for this for this interview or Julius, Julius? What would you prefer? Yeah, uh, Jay. Jay, please. Or any official military terms <laughs> and titles there? No, 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 we can leave that out. All I just right, came right. home, so I, I didn't get changed. <laughs> That's all right. That's fine. So, all right. Then, uh, Jay, welcome to the Genius Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Anna. It's nice to be here. I always love conversing with you and I'm, I'm more than happy that we got the opportunity to share some of these conversations with my audience because I, I'm sure that every person in my audience will learn a lot from you and our conversation right now. And you should start with a question. When you hear the word sustainable performance, what comes to your mind? Uh, so, so sustainable performance for us, uh, I think, is um, thinking long term. It's not just thinking about you know, the next mission. You know, it's thinking two or three missions ahead. It's, you know, thinking years ahead to how we can uh, mould our uh, sort of work. So not only are we carrying out our tasks as an organisation, but we're also looking after our own people to ensure that things like burnout, mental health, and, you know, fun is still kept in the organisation and the work that we do. I find that we, we tend to do, um, sort of, we go through sort of huge peaks and troughs and some peaks will last, you know, six months to to a year, but then it will always go back down. And that's when we need to, you know, take a take a breather, you know, reorganize and understand what we're going to do with our our time. So important. And actually, I would love to do dive deeper into this conversation about your specifics of the work. They really make you think about those things that are burning right now, right? Those as you said, next mission, next operation that is coming or that you're in the middle of. And the ways of you and your colleagues to really keep that long-term thinking and keep your eyes up 
towards the horizon and not just in front of your feet right now. I would really love to discuss that, how you're doing that, how you're managing, what are the challenges there and and what what have you done to overcome those? So uh, do you want to dig into that at first or or first explain to us how how you got into the military? What brought you to that field of work? Uh, no, we can, we can explain, talk about that sort of like long-term planning and then mm-hmm. sort of move on to, on to me later on. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 to do with that, that planning and having the the people at the sort of forefront of your mind. So, for example, we're we're planning for a major exercise, sort of my group, and you know, although we've we pushed forward with all our sort of planning cycles and uh, put everything in place for everyone to you know be able to know their mission, know what they're what's expected of them, what they're going to do to sort of achieve everything. We've also looked at the training that they're going to be doing whilst they're doing that mission. You know, so whilst they're sustaining uh, the guys that they're supposed to be supporting, we are then always looking into the long-term training into the guys. Mm-hmm. So if they're not, you know, if they're not fixing vehicles, if they're not sleeping, if they're not carrying out some sort of administration of themselves, we're setting up training for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, once we've so we're happy that all that sort of planning and discussions taken place. We're already looking what's going to happen when we get back. You know, we were already looking at sending people on skiing trips in uh, in November and December. You know, we're, we're sen- sending them on uh, equipment courses, training courses. You know, we're, we're looking into next year. You know, the training and development that's going on there. So, you know, although our focus is the next mission. We're constantly developing ideas of how we can keep that sort of long-term vision of, you know, how we want to treat our guys. So important. How do you keep that balance? Is there some kind of estimate or like 80-20 rule maybe or something that, okay, when your guys are in the mission, in the current mission, that still this that and this and that much time of them should be spent on the long-term goals of their development and training for the next missions and so on? Yeah, so it's uh, I'd say we're we're sort of seventy thirty. Mm-hmm. So so we'll carry the mission out, uh, but then we've always got that development in the background as well. Especially if we're doing training, if it, if it's training, then that's our focus. It's that long term development. Even when we're out on deployments, we're, we're still constantly learning, constantly you know doing well, carrying things out to failure, and then mm-hmm. seeing how we can learn from that. So every mission, everything that we do, we'll always go back to sitting around the table and discussing what we've done, how do we do it, you know, what changes do we need to make for the next one, recording it, and then trying to get it into our sort of collective knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that even if one or two people leave, you know, there's still enough for that collective knowledge that when new people come in, they're they're sort of imbued with that and we can carry on continuing that sort of organizational learning. You've been in in the army for for a while now, over a decade, well over a decade. Have you seen a shift in that? Have you has it been like this since you started, or has there been a development in in this lessons learned and the continuous development of the uh, people? I think it's always it's always had it. It's always been there, but I think we've we've kind of we've moved massively. Well, from what I've seen, I think we've moved massively from uh, something that was always very closed. You know, the top team would discuss the the problems, and they discuss the, you know, the the issues and the learning and the failures. Whereas now is much more open. You know, pe- people will will bring people in. You know, where we do things like questionnaires, 
uh, and then we'll do you know one to ones, and then we'll do group group discussions. So we're we're a lot more tuned in that it's not just from our viewpoint, from the command team looking down at what happened. It's also having a look at the guys that you know at, at the coalface, the front mm-hmm. of what happened. Can, you know, do they have ideas that can you know maybe spur us on? You know, maybe we're not seeing something that they've seen. You know, we talked about. Um, we did a discussion about lean thinking the other day, and uh, I, I sort of bring it up to him. Is like, I'm in my office. You know, I, I do come out. I, I walk around. I discuss. You know, I talk things. But I'm not doing the job day to day that you're doing. So I need you to have the courage and the sort of thinking behind it to go. This is the issue. I can either solve it myself or I need help. So, you know, identify the issues and, and do something about it. Take some action towards it. Yeah. How, what do you think triggered that shift from being a close discussion among the top uh, management or leadership team to including more people? What triggered that? I, th- I think it's just uh, an, an evolving beast. I think the, the army is a, the, the army comes from, you know, takes part of society. You know, everyone that we recruit come from society. And there, there is, uh, there's a certain sort of culture that the army sort of generates. You know, anyone who comes in uh, needs to be sort of endued in, within that culture, brought in and, you know, understand what we do and why we do it. But I think it's also that, that you know, people come in, with, they come in with new ideas. I've seen that massively with the, the sort of officer cohort you know, people are not just reading about ex-military people, you know, ex-military leaders. They're actually reading people like Mafi Said. They're reading about uh, Simon Sinek. They're, you know, they're actually having a look at outside of the industry, outside of the army, and bringing in lots of um, new business ideas, new new types of working. So even though we have our own culture, we're, we're constantly developing and moving with society. I love this answer. And that really fits this topic of the theme of the podcast that where this episode is airing across the borders so well, because army is not a silo. It's not a bubble where nothing comes in through the, through the shell of it, right? You're, you're talking about it, that you, you are affected by the society and by its development, by every person who is coming in. But also we know it so well that a lot of other businesses and our industries and uh, research, they're learning a lot from the army as well. There are so many great transformational leaders, leadership coaches who have had their background in the military and then they bring in the, the learnings from that, the discipline, for example, the ethics and, and other parts that are so important for the army to function. They bring it to the business world, they bring it to the academia so that we can learn from each other. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because I'm pretty sure me and and many of our listeners have quite some prejudice or stereotypes about how army functions and from following you for i don't know maybe a year right now on linkedin i see a huge shift and i would love to love to discuss that shift i see so much emphasis on the soft skills on the leadership on the coaching style of leadership on the continuous personal development not only your skills as a technician or whatever your job with an army is you and your team, you're developing on the personal level as well. And I want to discuss it and I want to bring it out there and, and say, hey guys, we need to learn from, from the army as well because they are not standing still, they're developing. And maybe there is something in there that we can learn 
in the business world, entrepreneurship world, or academia. Yeah, definitely. It's that, it's that cross-pollination of uh, ideas and thoughts. And that, that's, that's what I find really interesting, you know, re- reading about, uh, you know, business leaders and you sort of, you read through what they're doing and you're like, hey, you know, that's not, that's not massively different from what we do. I think we're, the, the, the culture is just slightly different, but actually the, the way you look at how we're, you know, doing business, you know, we're after quality, we're after, uh, you know, time and money, you know, that, that's sort of like triangle of business. That, that's kind of what we're after. You know, we, we want quality people, we want quality products, you know, the, especially in the, the organization that I'm in, the Remi, we, we look at the people that we support as our sort of customers. You know, and what we try and do is support them as much as we can. So the things that they need from us are sort of our, our knowledge, you know, our, our SMEs, uh, what do you want to call it? Uh, subject matter experts, uh, subject mm-hmm. matter knowledge. Uh, and because we, we have so much of that knowledge, you know, we, we try and, and, and push that over to the guys that we support. Here, yeah, look, looking at things like customers, you know, money and quality, it's, it's not far off from what we do anyway. But then our culture, you know, we have leadership principles that guide us as leaders. We have values, we have standards that we sort of uphold. And one of the things that we've been trying to do is is not simply for the guys to know what those values and standards are and know what the leadership principles are, but really understand what's behind it. Not simply say what they are, but what do they actually mean to people? And if you get them to actually think about what they mean to people, you, you get a, a better quality product at the end of it. You don't just have as someone that can stand there and uh, say it. They actually understand what it means to them and how they can use it in their day-to-day lives, even outside of the army. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. That's how I work with my clients as well in the, on the personal development, self-leadership and leadership of the others. When I... We can, we, when we can discuss the principle or the value of theirs and then they can understand the the reason by why we're discussing those things and the the ground and the financial principles of self leadership, they suddenly come to me and say, "Hey, this was the situation, and that's how I applied what we've learned, or that's what that's what I did, and that I learned it from you." And I was like, "We never discussed those kind of situations or those contexts." And they're like, "Yeah, but we discussed that, and this is similar, and it's a completely different area of life." For example, if we're talking about the business life and them leading their team and then suddenly they get something in their personal life and they can apply those principles. This is what I'm most most proud of my clients and that they have really understood the work and we're really creating this sustainable transformation for them because they can apply the knowledge they have gotten from our work into different contexts, different situations, different areas of their life and can be this sustainable leader of all areas and yeah. Yeah, all, within their, all of their roles. So Jay, I want to get roll back a bit <laughs> to to the past and and ask how did you come in first of all to England because you're Icelandic originally yeah. and uh, into the army. Yeah, so so I uh, I was born and uh, I grew up in Iceland. Uh, moved over to England when I was uh, 14 years old. So my uh, my English father and my so my English father went to Iceland for a holiday and stayed for 25 years. <laughs> Quite a long holiday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very long holiday. But yeah, I've always had a connection through him to, to England. And um, so when I grew up, it was, you know, I wanted to be a fireman or a policeman. And then I, I sort of dreamt that thing of, you know, I wanted to be a soldier, I wanted to make a difference. But it was always that fireman, policeman, you know, soldier 
you know, is, is a, be a good person, you know, make a difference to what you're doing in life. And yeah, I moved over. I did two years in a in a school uh, down south in uh, uh, Winchester. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, as soon as I finished school, I uh, applied to join the army. I did six months uh, in a civilian job. Uh, do, I was doing cleaning and uh, I did uh, as a service manager in an officer's mess on an army camp. And then, uh, yeah, I joined the uh, ATFC, so Army, uh, army Technical Foundation College in Arborfield, mm-hmm. which is now closed down. I did six months of basic training there, which is uh, so we did uh, maths we did science we did you know presentations we did leadership skills and we had you know, a bit a bit more space than normal because of our young age when we joined to really grow into what it is to be a soldier and how to um how to sort of manage that lifestyle yeah then uh then i came out of that i spent two years doing my technical training so everything from learning how to drive a truck, learning how to drive a tank, learning how to fix everything. And then I went to my first unit, which was out in Germany. So I spent five years in Germany and, uh, yeah, the, the sort of rest is history. <laughs> rest is history. Yeah. It's amazing to see to meet those people like you who who have had this idea of, I, I want to be this kind of, like, within this profession. And from the childhood and then follow that and it seems like you're still enjoying it you're in your mid-30s right and then you've been in that um, career since the beginning of your career or in that industry since the beginning of your career and you keep progressing i I really love seeing your journey how much you're learning from from your peers but also from the books and you continue your education because you see some new needs for yourself to, to develop further and be more of service for your um, your employer and your colleagues and your team. So it's fascinating to, to see the journey. Thanks a lot for sharing it on on the social medias that we can observe people like you. Yeah. So, so I think one of the, one of the reasons one of the reasons I joined the army was to um, get out of school. I, I couldn't stand. School. You know, I, I hated sitting in a classroom, and you know, it, it was really frustrating. And I want I wanted to be out and doing stuff. But um, I think I soon realised that. Once you join the army, there's no stop in the learning. It, it, mm. it is constant. You know, you're constantly in and out of the classroom, or you know, if you're not in a classroom, you're you're out on the ground and you're you're learning stuff all the time. It it does not stop. Yeah. So I've had seven, 17 years and nine months of continuous learning. <laughs> <laughs> So much for learning or running away from school. Huh? Yeah. So what, what was the difference? It, sitting behind the school desk and being in the classroom within the army or learning in the field, what made a difference for you that it felt not as bad as back in the school? Uh, I think it's uh, the purpose. Having a purpose for learning, that, that's always it. So you know, when you're at school, when you're when you're a child, you, you don't really see the purpose. You know, yeah, you, you can look at trying to get high scores and you know going to university, but you're so young. You, you, it's it's difficult, especially for you know guys like me that are joining young, sixteen, eighteen years years of age. You know that that the main reasons why guys join like that is you know whether they're trying to get out of something at home or you know whether they're trying to get out of something where they live or you know there's there's something not quite right or they want to. Mm-hmm. Do something valuable with their their lives, but yeah, it's it's definitely having that purpose. And and quite quickly in the army, you understand that the stuff you are learning has a purpose. 
and it can help you in in the long term. Uh, they say, uh, you know, when when you first join the army or the armed forces, you know, you start transitioning out of the armed forces. You know, so everything mm-hmm. that you're learning can always be used later on in life. So whether you do four years, twelve years, you know, twenty two years, or even further, everything that you learn can always come in handy later on in life. This is so important because if if you have been in in the profession for so long and then your identity is quite tied to it and then you get out of it, it can be dangerous, right? It can be unhealthy for the person when they don't feel like they belong to the society society because they have been in a quite a different environment for quite a while where you have maybe harder discipline or better discipline and you have better alignment with the values and the principles of why we're doing what we're doing. And then you get in the society and you look around and, and people are going wild in a way. And there is no, not, not, not this kind of clear structure. So it's so good that you, you're talking about those things, that whatever you're learning in the army is actually applicable. And maybe you're discussing those things, how they can be applicable and how they can be used in life. Jay, I want to derive a bit from the topic of army leadership to you as a parent, from you not liking school and trying to get out of it as soon as possible and getting into the army and and learning to like learning because you have this purpose and you understood the purpose of studying and learning. How are you trying to instill it in your kids as as a father so that they find the purpose in school already? Uh, so, so that's me. So we we do um, a lot of reading. Uh, so I, I try and I try and show them. You know, when I'm in the sofa, that I, when I'm reading, I'm reading for a purpose. And you know, I, I try and talk to them about the stuff that that I learn. And then we go out to the shop, and you know, while we're doing the food shop, we'll go to the children's book area and we'll pick out some books. You know, we'll take that home, and then we do it as like a, a small activity, and then. You know, a lot of the stuff that I've learned has really helped me with uh, my math skills, my reading, my writing, my, my arithmetic, my three R's. So I, I now try and all the stuff that I've learned, and I'll try and help them with their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. So not only am I spending time with them doing it, um, so that becomes one of the ways that they spend time with me, but then I also try and encourage them to, you know, make mistakes and not be too harsh on themselves when they do. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I first started helping them, you know, the we do a bit of a mass problem and they get really upset, you know, when they get it wrong and they I had to see my kid run up the stairs and I'm like, Hey, it's, you know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, it's okay. You, you just, we'll do it again and then we'll do it again. And it's a process that we just, it's the repetition, you know, don't, don't underestimate the power of repetition. You know, you do it again and again and again and again, and you, you eventually, it just gets um, lodged into your head and you won't be able to get rid of it. That's one of the things that the army learning has taught me is, you know, at first you don't succeed, you you continue mm. again and again and again until you get it. Mm. And you know, will it be perfect? No, but is eighty percent good enough? Most likely. This is this is so good. This is so important to to teach our kids this perfectionism and why are you actually trying to perfect and what are you trying to reach with this next iteration and when is it time to stop. And, and just say, yeah, that's good enough. And I can continue with something else instead of polishing here and spending my time and energy on something that doesn't really give the result anymore. I have fulfilled my purpose with this task. and I don't need to go further with it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Jay, you, 
from your LinkedIn profile and all of the discussions that we've had before, I see clear that you're very passionate and, and you value a lot the personal development. And you're also very open about the importance of being vulnerable as the leader. And you're also very transparent about your own journey and the struggles that you've had. And those are the soft skills that we're discussing so much in the leadership space nowadays. So I'd like to discuss those a bit more. How, how does it go together with being in this kind of hard, disciplined environment of the military or of the ar- army? I think it really depends on, uh, it does depend on what area in the, in the, this is the sort of army you are in. In our area, the, the area that I work most, most with um, is a sort of technical trade. So we, we're continuously trying to get people to think um, individually, you know. So one of the things that we, we ask of our people is, you know, I, I might ask a, a junior rank, so a Lance Corporal, to get on a helicopter, fly, you know, 100 kilometers over into, a, into an area that's ho- held by uh, the infantry guys. And you look at them as a customer, you know, they go in, they, you know, they do their servicing of their equipment. But they need to have that thought behind them that they understand their technical trade, that they understand how to be a soldier if something does happen, and they're needed to react and you know go in with with their friends and the guys that they're supporting. And you know we, we need them to be able to deal with situations that they they might not have trained for. You know, mm. there's only so much you can train for, even even technically. You know, you might you might have some crazy thing happen, and they've got to use that thought process or or, or analysis that they do. Yeah, without very with with very little support. Uh, so that that's the kind of thing we, we we sort of need our people to be able to do that. I think the only way you can do that is develop them. You know, from the from the ground up, is to ensure that they have that base layer, base understanding of you know the the army. You know the the soldiering skills that they need to operate on a battlefield and the technical trade that they're, you know, the technical service that they're delivering. And yeah, if that also comes in with a sort of personal understanding of, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it, because that will always feed into their sort of mental health, you know, how they deal with things after they've completed, you know, a, a very demanding situation. But yeah. So it's, it's building up that, that base understanding of what, what they need to be able to achieve at whatever level they are. Hey, Genius Leader, I'm chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me. If you're enjoying this episode, share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well. Let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius. How do you train those things? What are, what are the procedures for day to day questions, discussions, routines that you go through to to really nurture that independence and in, in the critical thinking of your mates? So a lot of it is uh, mentoring. Mm-hmm. So our, our guys get assigned. We assign them a mentor, uh, when they're sort of brand new in, uh, mm-hmm. and they start doing their first bit of development. They, they get assigned a mentor. And that's them with that mentor, uh, unless uh, unless there's a drastic change, that should be them with that mentor. And that mentor ensures that their first bit of development within their sort of technical trade and their sort of personal sort of soldiering, small level uh, living in barracks type thing gets managed in a in a healthy way. But then we also have the the line managers. 
and then the line managers you know speak to their guys you know make sure they understand the things that they're doing and set them with training so whether it's personal development technical training or soldiering you know we we do collective training so we'll do collective training as a as a, a small cohort so whatever section they're in they'll do a collective training and then they'll do uh, and it gradually increases in complexity but the base layer of what they do day in day out doesn't really change that much whilst sort of our complexity increases um but yeah the the mentoring by their their sort of first line and then that sort of coaching by their sort of second line and by you know the hierarchy such as guys like me that that write the reports and ensure that their uh, careers are, are developing in the right way and we can really tailor their careers to what they need which is something not massively different from what was before but we we really focus on in on the individual try and get what they need out of the army as well not just what the army requires from them uh, yeah there's is that we do constant development so one of the things that we do now is um fridays so we, we used to try and do development within work so personal development but we found that people were always off you know they they'd be sent on a task and they do something so what we did was on a friday morning that is now completely ring fenced for any kind of training and we you know we develop our juniors by you know giving them training tasks you know we want a lesson plan for this kind of subject go off go research it deliver it to us so we can you know see what you're delivering and make sure it is hitting our sort of training objectives and then on a friday you'll go and deliver it to your guys so that's increasing their knowledge of technical subjects uh, increasing their knowledge of uh, personal issues or uh, military uh, learning and it develops their sort of their own sort of learning discipline and it develops their sort of confidence and being able to speak to people their own peers which is always really difficult to speak to your peers about things that are quite boring <laughs> people tend to want to chat to their peers about football and Mm. you know fun activities not about military knowledge or battlefield discipline and things like that well amazing that you have the whole friday morning for for that and that that's definitely something that i would like everyone every genius leader tuning to to listen to and 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 try to implement in your company in your department division whatever you are or just for yourself personally set some time and block it in a calendar and explain it to your manager hey I need to develop because my profession is developing and I don't want to be in a vacuum and I don't want to be an outdated professional and expert for you. I want to stay up to date with what is happening in my field. And for that, it's important for me to have time when I'm not disturbed, when it's really holy grail for learning and developing for me and try to explain it that th this is something that you as, the, as my leader and you as the company went from. And that's super important for, for all of us. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. for sharing, so when you when you look at guys like us, uh, you know we the army pays for for training for us. Uh, so we we get something called uh, standard learning credits. So every year we have a, a small pot of money that we can put into things for for training, personal development. But then we also have funding that goes to university, so we can apply for funding to do university, something that I'm doing now. And you know not only does it benefit like me as a as a person for you know my long term development but it benefits the the military it benefits the armed forces that you've got people going out and you know going into different subjects and actually 
you know, doing some higher learning on stuff. It's, um, I think that's something that was, that was sneered at, you know, 20 years ago, 10, uh, 20, 15 years ago, but something that's really coming into the mainstream of the armed forces is that we, we, we need that higher level of learning, higher level of thought process to be able to compete with other countries, with other militaries mm-hmm. and even business. Yeah, exactly. To, to attract the talents that you need to, to be a health organization and, and successful organization, because that's what you are. Jay, when you are promoting this, the conversations, the open conversations about the challenges, or you're promoting the leadership of self and the personal development, do you face any challenges in, in your work environment? And, and I don't know, any resistance? Or do you feel like everyone is on the same page in there? Yeah, so it is. I, I think in the army, you, uh, you develop sort of out side of your you're constantly trying to push your boundaries your own boundaries you know trying to push yourself out of the comfort zone i do think that sometimes peer pressure you know whether it's in the military or in business or you know in any type of culture that you really you really get sucked into that peer pressure sometimes you know you might go you know i don't want to talk about this this bit of learning that i did because you know people look at me and you know they'll make fun of me or something you know but you know, most people once you explain to them, you know, why you're doing something, and you know what you're, what you think you're going to get out of it. You know, most of the time people go, oh yeah, you know, that's a that's a really good reason to do that. So one of the, one of the things that we did was um, interview techniques. So I brought someone from outside, and we 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 brought her in. We hosted her to um, talk to us about interview techniques, and a lot of the a uh, lot of the sort of business type interview techniques are very much you know show who you are you know talk about who you are your development your weaknesses your strengths whereas in the art sort of in the military it's um it's quite different people find it very difficult to open up and be sort of very honest about who they are and what their aspirations are so we actually had a very fun conversation because that that sort of 40 minute uh, lesson uh, turned into about an hour and a half of, you know, conversing with uh, junior members of our organization. And it was, you know, oh, we, well, we can't show weakness. You know, we can't mm-hmm. show these things because we won't be thought of as the perfect soldier. We won't be thought of as the perfect uh, technical tradesman. But they, they don't quite believe that no one is perfect. You know, we're, we're all sort of marrying, we're, we're wearing masks mm-hmm. and we're, we're, you know, constantly trying to build up this mask of what we want people to see and not what we actually are. And I think when you're doing interviews, especially with the, the higher level uh, officers for some of the, the gates that we sort of go through, I think people are very uh, fearful, very fearful of showing who they are because they don't think they can bring themselves who they are into the conversation. You know, some people just enjoy playing video games. What's wrong with that? You know, you know, we, we have, develop a lot of skills that, through, through video games, right? So it's just about knowing how to use that. Exactly. It's, it's mm-hmm. trying to bring yourself and show yourself and show how your strength and weaknesses can add value to the organization. But unfortunately, a lot of the times people put this mask on that says, you know, I am, I am the perfect soldier and this is, you know, these are the things that I should say to keep, mm-hmm. continue that, that visage, that mm-hmm. sort of, not really showing who you are, but only showing glimpses. And I want to 
put my five cents here that it's not only in the armed forces that this is the case. In entrepreneurship, in the business, the people whom I work with, they have the same issues. The, they really are afraid of dropping their face, right? And taking off that mask and, and putting down that facade and say, hey, here I am with my flaws, with my imperfections, with my emotions. And it is scary. It's a scary journey. And that we are all products of our society and that's how society nowadays brings us. And I can imagine that it is amplified in armed forces because you are getting people who want to be strong, who want to contribute to the safety and security of, of the nation, right? And that still has quite a lot of, I don't know, pictures, stereotypical pictures of how this soldier should be. Yeah. So talking about those stereotypical pictures, let's discuss them and let's just, yeah, uh, discuss what, what of those you see from the inside and you feel like this is wrong. Or this is outdated, what people think on the outside. And it could be people in your environment who are not related to the armed forces. Maybe some questions that they ask you or some comments that they make, you feel like, okay, yeah, this is actually not really true. Why, why are they thinking that way? Or it could be also the juniors who come in when they're newly hired and they have some perceptions. And you're like, where did you get that? <laughs> and why yeah. do people think that way about the armed forces? Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. You know, um, I do get it quite a lot. Uh, surprisingly enough, you know, we um, I've read in the news uh, that there was a couple of documents out that you know people really see the army as a as a sort of stereotype. Uh, they don't really understand what we do and how we do it. You know, they they think that everyone leads by fear. You know, it's you know do do what I tell you to do, or you know, or you'll go to jail, or you know, I'll, I'll make you crawl around in the mud for three hours. And clean the toilets with a toothbrush, right? <laughs> the, yeah, the typical yeah. picture that we get from the from the movies. Yeah, you know the the, the movies the, the movies always draw on they they draw on truth, but they all, all, also always exaggerate. There is plenty of movies out there that have a lot of truth in them, and there's a plenty of movies out there that have very little truth in them. But yeah, I, you know, I was speaking to someone the other day. Uh, we were talking about you know people getting in trouble. For something that, that was fairly minor and it, it was a bit of a laugh you know it was you know oh you know are you going to give them the hair dryer treatment are you going to get them in your office are you going to scream and shout at them so they you know they know never to do it again i was like no no why would i do that i haven't done that you know ever i've never done that and I, I think does it happen yes it does but does it happen as much as people think it does definitely not i think the the only reason a lot of we get to the point of where we have to, you know, shout and be very directive is during very difficult situations. So, you know, the, the battlefield is loud, the things are happening, things are confusing. So unless you've got experience in that, um, it can be very difficult to see what you're supposed to be doing and, you know, understand what your role in that situation is. And that's where we become very directive, almost forceful, because you you have to kind of understand the situation that you're in but when we're back in camp you know when we're just trying to develop people you know constantly doing that learning piece you know we, we don't need to do that a lot of it is just simple coaching mentoring you know we we do administrative action if someone gets something wrong you know we get them in the office and we discuss you know why did you do the things that you did what's the reasoning did you have reasoning behind it or did you just think, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what I want 
not what I should do. But yeah, a, a lot of that discipline bit is um, makes me laugh. I, I watch movies with a with a wife, and we'll mm. sort of watch that, and uh, she hates it because I sit there and go, "We well, know we never do that." You know, that's that's crazy. But yeah, it, for the five percent of the time where we have to be very directive, very forceful in what we're doing, we train for that. You know, mm. there's reasoning behind that. But for the other ninety five percent, you know, there there is coaching, there is mentoring, there is being emotionally intelligent, using the uh, framework of leadership, using you know our values and standards throughout everything that we do. Here, I would like to ask the follow-up question. There is so much coaching and mentoring happening in the camp, as you said, and then there are those 5% of the time, those situations when you really need to be directive, super clear. It might be going to shouting because you're in an environment where otherwise you won't be hear, hear, heard and so on. How do you practice this relationship between the subordinates and those who give the orders in the coaching and mentoring environment that it's clear that I'm here to give you orders in those 5% of situations. Yeah, so that's difficult. So one of the things that we're we're sort of evaluated on for our reports, you know, is that that change of leadership in the environment, you know, being able to move from uh, your, your sort of in-camp environment, being the leader that your your people need you to be there, to then being able to go out into a different environment, a, a more dangerous environment, more high-risk environment, and you know, get the guys to understand that you know when we're in this environment, yes, you know, we want feedback, we want input, but at certain stages and certain situations, you know, it is a matter of trusting your leader. And trusting the person that's, you know, that has the your best interests at heart, mm-hmm. uh, but you also need to achieve a mission. You also need to achieve something. You know, we we will always look at it that way. That you know, the the, the mission needs to be achieved, and we do that by practice. How do you practice that? Uh, training, lots and lots of training. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've I've done three deployments out to uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, and before we go. You know, and do our six months uh, in that hostile environment. We do almost a year of training. So you know, we we don't just jump on the bus and you know jump on a flight and off we go with our weapons. It's mm. it is a you know it starts off very small. It starts off doing small collective training with you know your group, your four man, eight man group, and then it goes up into complexity. You know, you start working with other teams. You start bringing in. Um, subject matter experts from artillery you start bringing them in for different areas to you know give yourself different capabilities and then you know you actually start heavily working with each other and seeing how everyone can use their skills you know their skill sets to develop into the 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 requirements for each mission that you need and once you get to the end of that training cycle that you know almost a year of training you are pretty solid you, you, your team is molded and they they understand that you know where, when something happens, there's a there's a reason for it. And they they understand that that trust that you have in people, you have in the team. We really rely on that, rely on that heavily. I, I get to draw the the similarities or the parallels to the business world, where it's quite a luxury to have that much time for training in between the times of performing. And I'd like to send this with the genius leaders tuning in that the performance and the power of your team is really in those trainings in between. 
And of course, you need sometimes to perform and, and, and mold the team together somehow in the moments of performance. But it's so important to have those times in between where you can actually, in calm environment, get the learnings ingrained in every person and teach the team who is who, why we're here, what are we doing, how do we collaborate, how do we communicate, and all those things. This is something that it's difficult for us to do quite often in the business environment, and I really want to set up as a challenge. Try, try. It doesn't have to be one year <laughs> of yeah. training before your people have to perform at a, those peak levels, but try to integrate that. Just as we discussed with Jay on Friday mornings, those learnings, right? I know, I know companies where they have those Friday half-hour knowledge exchange. This is the time when people just get together and discuss what I'm, what, what, what do I know? What, what I think might be useful for you guys to know that I know it, so that you can come to quite with the questions to me, or to know for yourself that you can perform better as the person or in your profession. So really try to find the way to design your work and 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 the, your business and operations that you have those times for learning opportunities and reflection without the, the press and the stress of, of really the need of performing at the very, very top level. Yeah, and inject some fun into it. Mm. Fun. Yeah. You know, we're, 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 as, uh, as soldiers in the, in the armed forces, you know, whether, whether you're naval or, or aircraft, there's always, always fun. There's time for fun. Uh, how do you do that? Let's tell us more so that we can <laughs> learn about more from you. How do you inject fun in the in the work? So it's in, injecting the fun is you know having those moments where you go you know somebody's leaving, someone's leaving us. So you know let's celebrate the time that they've had with us. You know mm-hmm. let's go and go do some go kart. Let's you know enjoy our sort of time together. I always say um, you know when I go places, you know, the, the best thing to do is. You know, go out and enjoy the the culture and the environment that we're in. Yeah, you know, I was um, the places that I've been to. So, like whether it's been France or Belize or uh, Kenya or you know all the countries I've been to, we've always injected that fun. You know, that that week to go out and do something different. You know, whether it be a adventure training, uh, so kayaking, skydiving, uh, anything like that. But there's also that hour by hour fun. Going and speaking to people and doing it in a light-hearted way, you know, you can you can break through a lot of barriers by using humor. Uh, I think uh, as military, we're quite good at that. We use humor sometimes to hide things, but we use humor a lot just to kind of break down barriers between people. You know, especially when we're in a, such a diverse group. You know, we we recruit from every level of society and something that doesn't change between that is is humor such an important point thanks for bringing it up jay and i just came to think about my husband who uh, did his social service back in germany in psychiatry and he said like sometimes you wouldn't understand who is who is the doctor who is the patient here (laughs) because people people look quite similar in, in some of the departments and he said you would sometimes feel like the the jokes that the doctors make are somehow too brutal or too open or anything, but that really helps. The humor helps to heal. It helps to distance yourself from the pain that you're seeing and you're trying to help people go through. And I think it's very important uh, in, in any 
area, in any industry, whatever you, wherever you are, to really get this distance from whatever you're doing, to be able to see it from it from outside. And, and humor is really, really great way of doing that in a, in a healthier way for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a good tension reliever, especially after you've been through a, a sort of high-risk situation you know, to be able to sit around and sort of look at people and have a smile and have a little bit of a laugh, you know, and understand, you know, that that was that was tough, that was hard. But having that sort of togetherness, that moulding together with that humour, you, you've all experienced the same thing. And to be able to sort of laugh and talk about it in that way makes it a lot easier. You know, it, it kind of using a, a torch to shine into the darkness type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a beautiful analogy. Thanks for that. And as you said, it's important to not just hide behind the laughter, but as you said, acknowledge that this was tough. We've gone through something stressful right now. So it's not about avoiding the emotions. It's, as you said, really bringing some light into the darkness that it's easier to to discuss it and and lift the, the heaviness of it. Jay, we touched upon that, that I see a lot of things, uh, all of the challenges that you might experience in the armed forces in, in the business world, where leaders are typically expected to be the hard guys. And I would like to ask you, what have your learnings been, uh, been so far that you would like to share with, with uh, the leaders tuning in? What can I do to fight that stereotype or to break through with that? If they want, because I see a lot of leaders who want to be those vulnerable, empathetic leaders that they have within themselves, but they're afraid of opening up that hard shell. What would your piece of advice be? So I'd say uh, it's, uh, it's that self-belief. You know, it's, it's having the self-belief that you, you can actually be yourself. Understanding that, you know, yes, you, you might have a, a culture in the organization, but you, you as an individual, you know, you can bring parts of you in. It not it not only humanizes you, but I think it makes you a better leader. You know, and people people react a lot to mirroring. You know, you you can stand there. And, you know, if you're if you're constantly being uh, strong and not not being vulnerable in any way, then people will mirror that because they think that that's what you know they they should be doing. They, they will always look at you and see what their reaction should be. But I think sort of being able to have one on one conversations with people. And and just talk, just being able to talk about you know life. Not only do we have you know in the in the business world in in civilian life, you know people have a have a tough time, but then we have that we have that extra bit that makes it even more difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think bringing the, a bit of vulnerability in, and actually that that self belief that you can sit there and you can communicate with someone, I think that that's a big one. Actually mm-hmm. understanding that. There are so many tools. There are so many, you know, people you can read. There's so many people you can, you know, network with, like, like you, <laughs> you know, yes. uh, that you can learn from. A, you know, continue your learning, continue to understand that. You know, vulnerability is fine. You know, it's you, you don't need to do that mask wearing. I love that. I'm writing down vulnerability is fine. It's just so. It sounds so easy, like you know, and so. <laughs> No, I, I want to say that it simplifies those things. You know, vulnerability, this word has so much tension attached to it nowadays in these discussions about leadership. And how you just simply just said, no, vulnerability is fine. <laughs> I hope that DJ's leaders tuning in, taking it in right now, because it, that can be the, the door that is opening 
right now for many people. That can be that phrase that can actually shift something for people, turn the page and think, yeah, it's fine. It actually is fine to talk to people openly about my emotions and what I'm going through, helping them go through their things, showing people that I see you. I see that you're struggling right now. And instead of avoiding that because you want them to be strong somehow, show that you see them and really ask, how are you doing? What is going on now? How can I support you? This is also part of vulnerability, showing that you see other people's emotions. Yeah, not to be dismissive. You can't dismiss what people are telling you. You know, you, you can't simply say, oh, well, here's a solution. I'll go and do that. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. You, you, you have to, you really have to understand, you know, their point of view, their, you know, their feelings from their side. Uh, it, it, it can be quite hard because, you know, sometimes you can touch on something that you might, you know, you might have gone through and actually it's quite a sore subject for you. So being able to be there for others when you're, you yourself are going, oh man, that, that hits home, you know, that hits home to what happened to me, you know, 10 years ago. But it, you can learn from other people as well. You can learn while, while they're going through their stuff. Simply verbalizing stuff makes things easier to go through. Yeah, so important. Jay, I would like to wrap up with the questions that I usually ask uh, my guests. If you would give three pieces of advice and those could be the summary of what we have discussed today or whatever you want to send with our listeners and viewers, what would those three pieces be? Read as much as you possibly can get your hands on. I, I, I was never a big reader, but yeah, definitely read, uh, network, speak to people outside your industry. Don't, don't you know, cross-pollinate ideas. You know, all the things that I talk about, all the things that I've learned over the years have come from other people. None mm. of this is my idea. <laughs> uh, I've just taken it from them. And yeah, just show understanding towards each other. So important. I really love it. it it's almost 40 episodes that we've had and no one has talked about reading. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone takes it as an obvious thing, but I, I really love it that you mentioned it. Those, those simple things, but they're really brought in your your perspectives, right? And, and I see it so much how you're reflecting on what you read. So it's not only about turning the pages and seeing those words, but actually reflecting on them. What of that applies to me? How can I implement that? How can I relate to those experiences described in this book? And I see you doing it with it, well, like on a daily, on a daily. And I'm really happy to that you're sharing those experiences of yours and those reflections and the learnings so that others can can be reminded of, of the importance of reading the books mindfully thanks so much jay and the question actually of an actionable nature if uh, we would like to send something with our listeners of yours today some actionable step that they can take today something simple that they can just take from our conversation and implement in their life what would that be oh wow geez you really put me on the spot there uh... you're allowed to challenge our <laughs> listeners they're used to that <laughs> Yeah, what one action? I'd say one action is to think, sit down, and think about what you want to achieve in the long term. And I and I mean long term. I, I mean, you know, who do you want to be at the end of the road, and what do you want to look back at? So, you know, and you'll you'll carry yourself through life. So important. That's something we discuss with all, all my clients. Really building that picture or clarifying for yourself what is the ultimate ultimate best version of myself how i want to be that i am i'm happy and proud of myself happy with and proud of myself this is this long-term picture and it's not about 
the risk of never getting there maybe, but it's really about those small steps that you can take on the way and know that every day you are you are a step closer to that ultimate best version of yourself and learning to enjoy the process and to acknowledge the progress of yours and, and really pay attention to that instead of just, oh, I'm not there yet. Yeah, yeah. but it's also being adaptable and taking opportunities as they come along. You know, you can't plan for everything. <laughs> you, yeah. you have to you have to see things as they are for sure jay if people would like to learn more about you or connect with you and ask follow-up questions or whatever what's the best way to do it uh on linkedin yeah so uh, julius davidson uh, to search me and yeah link up with me i'm, I'm more than happy you know i've I'll, I'll link with anyone and learn from anyone mm. you know it's it's a it's a brilliant platform and it, it's it's definitely uh it's definitely transformed the the way i've I think about things uh, in the last sort of three years that I've been on it and meeting amazing people like yourself. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a, definitely been a good journey on there. Mm. Yeah. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying following your journey and, and seeing your sharings and uh, observing the conversations and getting in the conversations under your posts. Uh, they really open my eyes to many things and also remind me of some important things that I might have forgotten. So thank you so much for being active there and so present. No, thank you for your your post. I'm always I'm so interested in it, and I love it. Just as with the books, I, you really reflect on those things, and, and then you can come back to me and you talk about your learnings for that, or how you how that have triggered some other thoughts and created some new questions for you to answer. So it's really amazing and very rewarding to, to engage with you through my audio content. Jane, thank you so much for, for today's conversation. It was a pleasure. And to your genius leaders, um, talk to you next week on Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything. 